Okay, another week is gone, another bunch of news, and, um, you know, we're ready to talk about it. We're ready to cover everything that has happened. We're talking about the the news that has happened across motorsport, the local car market, and also the international car market. Um, and I've got it, uh, Joel Strickland here at Joel Strick Photo to talk through everything with me. How are you going, Joel? Good, Ash. That's good. And um, been up to much this week? Yeah, this week's been a flat-out week. Um very, very full on. A bit of drone flying to start the week and then uh, a little bit of work uh, later in the week, which I can't really talk about just yet. So, okay, uh, yeah, playing that, the mystery. <laughs> yeah, stuff that's not out yet. So, um, yeah, but uh, one should be announced this week and then the next should be, uh, I think, probably either late next week or the week after. So, mm, Okay, was- well, we'll have to... Keep an eye out for that. Yeah, well, when, when we can talk about it, I'll certainly uh, I'll talk about it. But um, <laughs> I did uh, have a little bit of excitement at my end this week. I actually bought a car this week. Oh, okay. So I've been in the market for a while um, trying to decide to replace my daily. So I bought a new daily, and it's a um, Volkswagen Passat Alltrack. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's, uh... so previous gen, so it's a B7, not a B8, which is okay. the, uh, the current gen one. Uh, I've been shopping around for a while, wanted to buy something, didn't want to sink a lot of money into a car at mode, obviously running a photography video business. You kind of spend a bit of money on gear and yeah. stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I uh, found a really good one secondhand, um, and I'm really happy with my purchase because everything else on the market at the moment is either uh, a lot more case. Um, or it was a lot less money, but yeah, nowhere near as 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 good a condition as this thing is in. It is absolute immaculate. Yeah, no, that's really good. And and what led you to to the all track? Uh, we wanted a wagon, so the wagon yep. was the first sort of thing. Um, Mick abandoned the wagon hashtag, hashtag wagon love family um, earlier this year when he sold the his um, Commodore wagon and bought a new Commodore, but bought the 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 new sort of hatch and so him and I've always been sort of talking about wagons and tagging people tagging each other and stuff for years so he kind of got me onto the whole hashtag wagon love thing for years so yeah a wagon was always sort of on it I was looking at an SUV um on and off and then I started going down the wagon route I was actually looking at Commodores and then um uh, there's a lot of them around, but a lot of them are really hot, really, really high Ks and stuff. Yeah. So I'd want to go something that was too high. And then I kind of just started setting myself a kind of rough budget and, and having an idea of which way to, to, to go. And then the Passat sort of just appeared in the in the sort of um, search area. And I was looking at that or it'd be even a golf all track, but the Passat's obviously mm-hmm. longer wheelbase. Um, yeah. So, yeah, this runs the two-litre turbo diesel. Um and yeah, it's and they do two specs. They do a standard one, and then they do a premium. Um, and the premium obviously has the 19-inch rims, full glass roof, um, leather seats, um, paddle shift, and stuff like that. So I just kind of started settling on that, and one popped up a few weeks ago. No pictures, but um, doing a little bit of reverse search, I managed to find out what deal it was, and I deal. Mm-hmm. I just happened to drive past one day and saw it sitting on the lot, and they hadn't even really advertised it too much. So uh, when I saw it, it hadn't even been detailed or anything. So yeah, okay. Um, and then I reached out to them, and we started the conversation, and literally secured it, and um, yeah, finally got round to picking it up this week. So oh, nice. I'm a little bit excited by that, um, having yeah. something a bit more space and. Um, because I've been so busy with, with work this week, I literally picked it up sort of at the end of the week and 
um, having a chance to really even sort of you know, set it up and do what I needed to do with yeah, it, yeah. transfer stuff over from the from the old car. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's nice to have something a bit bigger in the to run around with for as a daily now. So, and just a reminder, this is what were you coming from? Uh, Mazda three. Mm, okay, so it's going to be a bit of a step up for you in terms of size and yeah, in terms and of comfort even. Inside. Yeah, even comfort. It's nice, you know. Um, a little bit of tech difference. Um, my Mazda is, you know, quite a few years old now. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, it's just nice having even, you know, in this generation Passat. Um, there's um, radar cruise, um, uh, you know, front and rear park assist. Um, there's also, you know, rear camera. Um, just lots of little things that you, you know, uh, LA, um, DRLs, um, which is another thing. You know, you kind of don't expect for, for something of this sort of generation, yeah, uh, and that. So yeah, it's pretty well spec for what it is. Um, and yeah, I actually sent a picture to some friends in the US, and um, they're more in sort of the off-road scene. And they said, "Oh, the first mod you got to do is a set of all terrains for it." I said, "Yeah, maybe, maybe down the track." You know, obviously being that all track, it's a little bit high lifted yeah. off the ground. But it was interesting where I had it parked um, the other, yesterday. Um, uh, Lavorg drove past, and I've always been a big fan of the Lavorgs. Really like mm-hmm. them. But the difference between the right height between the two was just so amazing to see the difference. You know, you look at how low a Lavorg is, and you don't really realise how low it is until you look yeah. at something like the like the all track. It's just, uh, just that you know that that's so much high, so much higher. Um, so yeah, that's kind of a, a handy thing to to have. So. Um, yeah, so I'm pretty pretty happy with the with the purchase, and uh, yeah, it should be. Um, I'll be putting hopefully some some photos up of it some stage soon when I get uh, get a chance to um, to get round to doing it. But uh, I have to go through the whole you know secondhand sell market now and trying to move my old car, so that's going to be fun. So <laughs> I'll, um, that one everybody here. loves dealing with the with, yeah. with buyers. Well, they reckon the uh, the secondhand market's quite strong at the moment because you know there's 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 a lot of stock not available for a lot of new cars and people yeah. are turning because of because of COVID and I suppose I'm, I'm an example of that I bought second hand instead of buying new um, for that reason so yeah it'll be interesting to see um, you know how, how long it takes to sell and you know mm-hmm. what kind of offers I get thrown at yeah, and uh, at least uh, compared to other listings, you should be able to put up some pretty good photos of it. Yeah, yeah. it's already been photographed. It's sitting waiting to go. I just need to, to do a couple of things on it. Um, yeah. I've got to get a roadworthy and things like that. It's part of what you do when you sell in Victoria. So that's on the list of doing this week. So hopefully I'll have it up pretty soon to, to start listing it. So. Yeah. Oh, brilliant! Will be interesting to sort of track along and, and see how you go with the the new VW. And, yeah, it'll uh, be interesting to see. It's you know it hasn't done it's done under a hundred thousand k's. So yeah, cool. Most of the others on the market are over a hundred thousand at the moment. So quite happy to find something with that kind of um, you know, kind of case. So definitely. Um, yeah, what have you been driving this week? You've been in the Gladiator, haven't you? Yeah, so I've been in the Jeep Gladiator Overland, which sits just below the Rubicon, and it. There's a there's a very minor. So what does it loot? What does the Overland get? Not get compared to the Rubicon. Yeah, so they they're really kind of focused on different types of purposes. So the Overland is all I I feel anyway more about that lifestyle of 
owning a, a Jeep um, Gladiator or, or Wrangler or something like that, you know. So that type of vehicle where you might not be strictly going off and doing um, a lot of off-roading or, or wanting to do a lot of modifications that would you know that you'd be doing to to go do uh, mountain trails or anything like that um the overland i feel is is more spec towards the it's going to spend most of its time on the road it might do you know it might go down to the beach and, and do some sand work or anything like that but it won't be doing anything huge in terms of off-roading compared to the rubicon where you pick up um things such as locking diffs um you have your 360 degree cameras which also um you know it sets you up to be able to record you know your work and all that kind of thing you get a whole bunch of different um views that you can sort of pick up from that uh, it has slightly different bumpers um that just are a little bit more rugged you have slightly different wheel arches as well so they're not body colored um mm-hmm. and it's so it's just there's a few things here and there but it does it it is sort of like if you're leaning towards one way of going oh i might do a little bit of off-roading um the rubicon for an extra few thousand dollars would definitely be the option um what but then your budget really and what you really want to get out of it, I suppose, as yeah, well. Yeah, well, you are you are looking at that eighty to ninety thousand dollar bracket, depending on which model, and you know there's there's a few available as demos and that kind of thing. So depending on what sort of deal you can can swing as well. But the core thing between the two models stay absolutely the same. You still get um, the great tray. Uh, in the back, which mine had a, um, a, a the tub liner included, as well as a, a set of rollout drawers. Um, I found that to be a little bit from what I was using the Gladiator for this week was a little bit annoying. I didn't really need the drawers, and you do lose a lot of um, you, you basically lose the usable tray area. Mm-hmm. Um, but for someone that might be carrying a lot of dirty items or um, you know, just loose bits and pieces. Those drawers could be very handy as well as you do if you take off and roll up the, the soft Torno cover where it's got Velcro straps. So it's designed to be rolled and unrolled all the time and you can just easily stow it at the top without needing to uninstall it or, or mm-hmm. use your own jockey straps or anything like that. Um, so it does have a rugged sort of layer on top of it if you do, or, and as well as um, the option to have a set of racks on there on the back as we see quite a few um, people doing now with the trays by adding a second level onto that back bit. So you do get a lot of flexibility. You do get things like um, light built into the tray. So if you're at night, you can actually still have and illuminate your back area without um, you know trying to work in the dark or have somebody else hold a light or something like that. Um, but the roof is still removable. The doors are still removable. Um, the windscreen folds down. Like you still get all of the features that they haven't fixed the what do you do with your mirrors thing, have they? No. So that is what, from what I understand, it depends from state to state as well. That's also the thing. But um, oh, okay. The but at least in Queensland, you do definitely need the mirrors, and unfortunately, they're attached onto the doors, and so that means that if you kind of lose that option to to drive around without the doors on, mm-hmm. um, even though it does, you know, it is a also some level a level of safety um, of of and that's sort of like kind of down to your own you know what you're comfortable with yeah. if if you know if you're on a, a you know if you're on your own bit of private land farmland or you got some acreage somewhere you know you can rip off the doors and not really worry about it correct um 
so yeah, so you do get sort of stuck there with that. Um, but I think it's it's kind of nice to have that that feeling that you could do that anyway if you wanted mm-hmm. to. Um, Jeep have kind of pretty much thought of everything. So yeah, um, the your your step on either side they're a ruggedized metal that won't scratch easily mm-hmm. um the the toolkit you have a, a little velcro um toolkit that lives in in your center console which has everything that you need and it's only three tools everything that you could need um to uninstall the roof uninstall the doors or whatever and then put yep. them back on again you've got bolt spot you, you've got a, a little case underneath the rear seat for all of your bolts so you don't have yeah, to worry so about really, losing them really thought about it to absolutely make it easier for owners you've got lockable storage underneath the rear seats the center console locks the front um uh, glove box locks so as long as you still have your key with you and and if you've taken the roof off Mm -hmm. um you can still secure your vehicle as you know as best as you can by hiding valuables away and and not just kind of unlike a convertible where everything is pretty much fair game once Mm -hmm. the roof is off um you could still somewhat you know, secure your vehicle to a certain degree as well and, and keep some valuables tucked away whilst you're out on a jet ski or, yeah. you know, or out going for a hike or something like that. Um, the the engine, I think, works really, really great. Um, fuel economy has been hovering around that 12.7 litres per 100. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been getting about 600-ish kilometres out of a full tank. Um, yeah. And with fuel prices around a dollar at the moment, say where I filled up like a Costco, um, you know that's not too bad. You put sixty bucks in and you get you know about seven eighths of a tank. Mm-hmm. Um, you know I think that's that's pretty reasonable. Uh, it is a you know a, essentially a, a dual cab Ute um, with a arguably a, a better suited engine to, to what it is. It's very smooth in its power delivery. Um, the brakes are probably just a little bit spongy. Not, I just, I prob if it was me personal choice, I'd prefer just a little bit bite or a little bit more obvious bite point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that long, I, long pedal travel. Or? It is a long, yeah. long pedal travel. And because of the length of the vehicle, and that's probably the, the biggest downside to this vehicle, as well as the biggest plus of the vehicle, um, there's a lot of lurching and that lurching adds extra momentum um, to the vehicle and just makes it feel like it just it's a little bit more work to, to, to bring yeah. the vehicle to a stop. Um, you do have discs all around, um, disc brakes all around, so you don't have drums in the back. It is a, a solid front axle, um, so it's not independent, so that makes it better for off-roading. Um, you do have LED headlights, DRLs, um, active cruise control, um, no lane departure, but you have blind spot monitoring, which comes in super handy uh, with the Gladiator because the mirrors are a little bit shorter. They're not. They don't. They don't. Not as wide, and they don't adjust as far out as I say. Someone like me in my driving position um, would would prefer them to be and so that's where the blind spot monitoring really comes in handy because a small car like a garris you will completely lose in your blind spot exactly Um, and that's the thing that's why it's so crucial these days for for another one of those you know we've talked about um a b and things like that but yeah this blind spot monitoring is so important for when you've got a car of that size too yeah 
particularly in this vehicle where you've also got because the roof and everything removes um you do have a full built-in roll you know roll cage um that also integrates your your speakers it, it it's a great sound system and it's it's tuned um the sound stage is designed to be in an open area so as soon as you put some windows down or you take off the front roof panels the sound sounds infinitely better than mm-hmm. it does with the roof um or or windows up um but it, it has great bass it, it it sounds good for everybody in the car it's not just orientated to the front people on the front yeah. you do have um a re- removable uh bluetooth speaker so if you and it's waterproof and all that kind of thing and charges through the car um that's tucked in behind the the right right hand seat mm-hmm. um which is just you know it's it's more of a for me anyway this week i haven't really had a chance to use it because it's more of i I just this is a vehicle where you need to spend longer with it a week is not long enough um it is it is one that you kind of need to take on the you know go on holidays with Mm -hmm. um and really use the maximum amount of it because i just feel like there's so much more on this on the table after just a week in it that i go i'd love to do this i'd love to do this love to do this but Mm -hmm. but parking is a challenge in it the turning circle is just like any other dual where it isn't um it it's not awesome it, it's better than what i've experienced in others um but if you are coming into a car space you might have to do back and forth back and forth a couple of other times because of the length of the vehicle the wheelbase as well um is is long it's it's longer than um I've parked next to a Silverado, a Dodge Ram, and um, uh, an F-150 in my travels, and it's longer than all of them. Um, yeah, right. And that's including... And, and then you add the tow bar onto that, onto the end, which sticks out even further, and you've got mm. an extremely long vehicle. So whenever yeah, I could help it, whenever I could help it, I would park in a remote spot of the shopping center and just park across two and just park in the middle because that's the easiest way because I I was always concerned that either I'd park and and leave a significant amount of the vehicle and I'm not just talking like you know a little bit of bumper I'm talking like the the entire front bumper chin Mm -hmm. and then a little bit of wheel guard at the front if I was to park you know against a wall or even you know up to the line on the other side and if I went back a little bit further I'd be worried that somebody else would reverse into the tow bar yeah Um, so it is look you know it's not entirely impossible to park anywhere like I I parked in a couple of tight um, city car parks and I managed just fine I was just probably just a little bit more anxious that I'd walk back and Mm -hmm. and somebody's you know clipped the, the front or something like that yeah um but yeah it is just something where i always tended to park at a remote spot and just take up two car parks because i just felt more comfortable yeah that way um but it is just in length it's not in width it is it is narrower than a lot of other vehicles and also the the cabin is a little bit narrower again because it's Mm -hmm. not the entire width of the wheel well um so like a wrangler where you've got the wheel arches then you've got the cabin that sort of sits in in between where the wheels are and and that's how the rest of the the gladiator is built including the tray Mm -hmm. and um you know, so in terms of width, it's it's fine, like squeezing into places and also having the shorter doors um, that you have on the Gladiator and on the, on the Wrangler. Um, it also means that getting in and out of those tight car spaces that you'd find in the city are actually a lot easier for the people getting in and out because of that, 
that that width of the door. So you can have the door fully open next to you, and you're not really going to run into the risk of clipping mm-hmm. um, the the poor person next to you. So yeah. that made it really easy when you know I've had a the, the the foster puppy from the RAAF again this weekend, and loading you know loading her in and out of the back um, was just made you know that much easier. Yeah, because of those shorter doors, and so it kind of came into a, to a godsend um, in that guide. But yeah, it I really enjoyed it. It made me go, hmm, I'd I'd love to to own one of these at some point because I just you just I just found myself being you know chasing a little bit of adventure as well, wanting to go and do things in it. Yeah, because um, it's designed for exactly. And so I'm looking forward. I haven't had a chance because of the heat. We've had all, you know up in Queensland. We've had not as bad as Sydney, but we've had you know some quite hot weather, and so it's not ideal for ripping the roof off and everything like that. Because we'd rather just have the ice cold air conditioning that comes out of the front, yeah. sort of keeping us cool. Um, but tomorrow exactly. morning, when heading out to the airbase, I'll be ripping off the roof to to experience that um but again that's something that i'd like to you know to spend more time with and, and even mm-hmm. jump into the rubicon and take that off-road yeah um and and see how you know how the solid axles and and how the disc brakes in the back even um also help and and, and how that differs say slightly different kettle of fish but you know like recently what we had the the land cruiser sahara um yeah and in exploring those differences in terms of the the performance because they're they're not too far off when it comes to to pricing and particularly with uh and we'll talk about it shortly but even like say the 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 special you know the top end models coming out of toyota and ford and Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing like the wild track and, and and the rugged x and that kind of thing because they do kind of sit in a similar price point as those compared to, you know, the rest of the dual cab utes that are available on the market. Mm-hmm. But no, loved it so far. Would want to spend more time in it. Yeah. Um, but let's jump into some news because we've spent a bit of time on on that and um, hopefully people find that interesting and I'll be uploading some photos shortly um, of our time in it. But um, let's jump into some motorsport news, uh, Joel. Um so this one, so Rogers um, have bought, you know, they've made a pretty big ARG buy-in. What's what's that all about? So Barry Rogers, who's the son of Gary um, and who have been heavily involved in the TCR series yeah. um, since its sort of beginning, um, but their, well, their business, Rogers Motorsport Events, um, is now the largest shareholder in RG, which is the Australian Racing Group, who okay. are the promoters behind the series, um, but not only TCR, but also S5000 and a couple of the other categories. So they've bought into the into the series, um, which is an interesting. interesting um, they've got a 47.5% share in, in it now. Um, so it shows a lot of belief. We've talked about, we talked about last week about some of the teams that, are currently looking at uh, renewed for next year. We talked about um, Wall Racing uh, with their commitment to the series and and um, Gary Rogers and and well Rogers Gary Rogers Motorsport or GRM uh, are basically going to be running another massive group of cars next year. Um, they're going to be running Renaults, Alphas because we talked about Caruso last week. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's good to see you know their involvement and it shows a lot of belief in it. Um, it's not unusual for people that are involved in a championship to, to buy into it in, in some form. They don't have a controlling interest. It's still only 47%. Um, but, yeah, I think it's it's great to see 
um, you know, the involvement uh, and commitment to this series because it's something we're all excited to see running next year and it just shows that there's, um, you know, people that have got long history and involvement in motorsport are obviously wanting to, for it to be around for a while. Yeah, and I was just thinking that it's, I think it, when you have these sorts of buy-ins, it, it definitely shows that there's a good belief in the series and the family of racing series they have with that as well. Yeah. Um, and, and gives obviously a, a good confidence boost to, to sponsors as well, wanting to get involved or who are already involved um, and wanting to, to justify that investment as well as all the races involved. So I think this is a great move and it'll be interesting to see how that, you know, that ownership shapes it over time because obviously when you have 47 and a half percent it's not controlling but certainly it, it brings a, a bit of influence to it as well oh yeah um, very much so but yeah i think that's that's great news and um it, it we've seen a lot of activity coming around you know the tcr series um you know we've been talking about the last few weeks and i think that's yeah it's it's a great move yeah it's a good move and it's a good commitment for the series yeah all right, so this one I'm a I'm a big fan, but you weren't too sold on the on the livery. Um, but it seems like the what, what are they calling it? the? It's a twin turbocharged 700 horsepower 488 GT. Um, it's a it's a special edition um, that from from Ferrari, and they're calling it the GT Modifica. And um, yeah, it's a it's a pretty pretty cool looking uh, race car that it's a very built. wild looking thing. Isn't it? It, it's kind of a shame. Like, I understand that people do liveries and stuff like that, but the the front end of the 488 is such a good-looking car with all the yeah. air vents and the way it's been designed for aero. It kind of feels like it... I mean, this photo is not the best example. It is quite dark. Um, but the front end's all black, so it'll be hard to yeah. kind of see everything in it. The red, From the red press line, car point of view, it's not a great decision. <laughs> no, but in saying that, it's unusual again for... You know, for Ferrari to put out a picture that a car that's not red, you know, not yes, you know, so they're not really like yeah, red. that's right. Um, but the, you look at it's it's a, certainly a wild looking thing, um, and it's designed. At, it's taken the technology that that they use from the GT3 race car and also the GTE race car, which is you know one of the, the Le Mans class car. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's an interesting. It's a very interesting looking thing, and yeah, it'll be um, it'll be built in lim- limited numbers, and I guarantee they'll sell every one of them, because Ferrari owners that have an interest in motorsport will lap this thing up, and will yeah. absolutely, and they will be. You'll see them on the track. I wouldn't be surprised if they run some form of series like Lamborghini do with their yeah. um, ones as well. Um, yeah, yeah so because this doesn't fit in with any of the, the regulations, so it basically skips the FIA, FIA rules um, for it. So Because they talk about in this um, Autoblog article how it has, um, it has different uh, mapping, for for the for the engine um, ratios that can be um, customized during the production process, so you can um, basically tell us yourself carbon fiber clutch, as well as more aggressive aerodynamic profile um, and more downforce. Because with the GT3 and GTE, they they do have a lot of set regulations. It does allow each car manufacturer to you know to still retain, unlike say supercars where it. It, they, it's using a core car and you know you adapt a, a body style to that um 
they do a lot to neutralize the vehicles and hence why Continental GTs can race alongside 488 GT3s and that kind of thing. Um, but this, they're sort of just going, okay, cool. If we if we can skip those rules, um, this is what we would build and we're going to sell it to to those um, that obviously are in the, in, the, in the, who would be in the market for one because they're you limiting. You also only have to be, you only have, you have to have recently raced in the Competizione GT with Ferrari yeah. or the Club Competizione yeah. only GT. Um, and they're the only ones that would be allowed the opportunity to buy it. Yeah. So. <laughs> but no, it's a, it's a cool looking car. It'd be great to see some other liveries and as they go out to customers, no doubt they will, um, we'll see everything, you know, red and every other color that Ferraris come in and yeah. and what people put liveries over the top of it, yeah, but exactly. I think we'll see a lot in red. <laughs> oh yeah, and then it'll be yeah. obviously for a lot of you know businessmen that, that own them and stuff like that. They'll probably either promoting their company or sponsors that they have um, is is generally what you would see yeah. on that. So um, yeah, I, you know, if we might see one or two land here in Australia, but you know who knows what uh, mm. what the market's like and will be available once they're all snapped up. That's right. Okay, Dakar Rally. Um, so they released the the route for 2021 um, that goes through Saudi Arabia, who's Our hosting it next year. We talk about this being in Saudi Arabia after we talked yeah. about the F1 round last week. Yeah, so. yeah, that's right. So it's moved from South America back to Saudi Arabia. Um, Five thousand. This is over towards the right continent now. Uh, it's back yes. to near where it used to be. Yeah, that's um, right. And yeah, so it'll be five thousand competitive kilometers. 12 stages um, starting on the 3rd of January and Jeddah um, concluding after a round trip back on the 15th. So um, interesting that it's that it's uh, a round trip effectively. Yeah. Um, and yeah, which and the longest stage will be 337 um, kilometres with a total of 813 kilometres tied. So. Yeah. No time, sorry. Um, yeah, interesting. It's so, just crazy how the total distance is seven over seventy six hundred k's, but you know, forty seven hundred will be competitive. It's like, gee, there's a lot of kilometers to. Oh, it is. <laughs> and, but it's you know, what is it that- in? And they'll be doing that all between January three and January fifteen. Yeah. And just to put into context, that is just over that 7600 k is just over half of um, going. The, the M1 route around Australia. Mm. Um, so it's a long way. And um, definitely when you're doing 4,700Ks in that short amount of time in a competitive state, um, yeah, that's that's pretty incredible, particularly those riding bikes. I, um, oh, yeah. It's... Yeah, it's a, a lot of a lot of respect given to, to those guys and girls who do that. Yeah, it's it's hard, hard work. But uh, it's interesting. They've currently got 295 vehicles that have been entered. Which yeah. is down on the 342 they had um, at the start of the start of this year. Yeah. Um, but one interesting thing I have noticed that this the event next year will introduce a new Dakar Classic division, which will run there'll be 26 vehicles entered, which are all before two th- made in the year 2000. Wow! So that's an interesting thing. There should be some very interesting vehicles in in that class. Will we to see watch. any uh, Porsche Rally vehicles in there? No, you reckon? I don't know whether anyone would drag out a 959, but I think I'd yeah. be very intrigued to see if um, some of the old Pajeros and anyway. stuff like that. I think that's yeah. pretty exciting. So even um, I'd love to see again the BMWs, the like the X3s and the X5s. They ran. 
so for a period of time, but that would have been that would have been after two thousand. There yeah. is a Porsche entered, um, but it doesn't say brand. There is a Peugeot, uh, a couple of Peugeots. There's a Mitsubishi. There's a Mercedes. Um, a buggy, couple of Land Rovers, couple of Toyotas, couple of Nissans, another couple of Toyotas. Um, there's a new truck. Uh, there's a Renault truck and another Mercedes. So uh, I'm very intrigued to see what some of these will be. Yeah. Um, it should be very, very good to watch. So that really piqued my interest, um, and it's kind of got me really interested in in following. I generally keep an, a rough idea on it, but I think this year, early next year, I think I'll be keeping an even closer eye just to see how everything goes. In the I classics. think so. Yeah. Yeah, and and looking forward even to to 2024 Dakar Rally, um, they're saying that a, a hydrogen powered car could be entering uh, for that one. So that's been uh, since we've what's it? Uh, I'm trying to read where it says so it's Gerline Jukarit. Is it? I yeah, totally I butchered that butchered name. That. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but he's a Dakar veteran uh, and former free skiing world champion. What a combo of that. Um, I think that if my memory serves me correct, he drove, because it talks about it. Uh, he has done a lot of rallycross and stuff. Yeah, because he's doing 2021 in an all-electric vehicle um, and is working with a, a GCK E-Blast 1 chassis. I thought it might have um, been the other previous-gen electric vehicle that yeah, right. um, the guys from Ashiona built, but I think it's a different one again. So, mm. um, But, yeah, it's you know good to see that that... It'll be interesting to see again how they run that and the, um, as you said, it's not for a few years, but just the logistics behind it as well yes. should be quite yeah. interesting as yeah. well and to see how that is all run. But um, he, he, they intend to present it, its hydrogen car at the event, not next year, but the year after, and then race it um, the year after then and then have a two car have it race ready in 2023 and then have a two car operating in 2024 so mm. that should be very interesting to watch that should be a, a good one to to see for sure yeah, um, but one that probably won't be entering uh the the dakar rally um but don't don't hold your breath now because it could happen um but toyota yaris's gr rally e um, pricing and specs have been revealed. Um, so it's it, it, the first 200 examples are not going to be cheap. Um, will be 56200 drive away. Um, and then basically the RRP will shift to 54500 um, then add on your, your plus on row cost. So that that's not they're kind of a bit confusing how they've done this but um you'll save a few thousand dollars by being the first 200 um to purchase the the rally e version of the GIRS and um yeah then it will jump up to a couple of couple of thousand dollars so it's it just 200 you, it not 1000 it gets you a, a fair bit though they say what does the extra five grand get you um circuit tune suspension front and rear torsten lips Torsen, limited slip diffs, 8-inch BBS wheels, Michelin Pilot Sport 4S tyres and red brake calipers. So it's a, it's a bit of a step up from the current model. 
Yeah. Um, you know, if you want to track it or you have an idea of that sort of stuff, then it's kind of worth the money, particularly yeah. for a combination of the the BBS, the tires, and then obviously the suspension yeah. plus the, plus the diffs. That's that, it's five grand well spent, yeah. really. And if you look at um, overseas reviews, um, it's quite interesting. And we mentioned briefly last week that um, the a lot of the reviews that are coming out that are overwhelmingly positive are on this simile or basically the Rally E version of the car. So it's a limited vehicle here um, in terms of it's a bit more restricted in quantity. Um, but a lot of the overwhelmingly positive reviews are of that model where the somewhat negative and lukewarm reviews are on the regular GR Yaris model. Yeah, so right. it's going to be interesting as local reviews sort of start to hit so, a little bit more yeah, and start to have a direct uh, comparison of the two. starting to hit now. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see what, uh, what the yeah. thoughts are. Uh, I've, been, I've, I've watched a few reviews of those overseas and um, there's been a few a few journalists here point out on their social media, um, you know, there's differences. And I go, hmm, that's, that's interesting because you do get a lot more um, and a lot more performance-orientated things in this rally version. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if a few people feel like they jumped the gun a little bit and um, perhaps should have, you know, I if they're really wanting all that performance, they should have perhaps jumped on the, the rally price, really you know I think everyone liked the idea of it, it was such a ripper price um, that everyone kind of decided to go with, with with that knowing that the yeah, other one was it's still expensive coming. for a small car like this though it is but you know it was such a bargain compared to what it was going to sell for at full retail um, yeah you know it's just, well it's one way to get a thousand cars out on the road regardless correct. isn't it yeah <laughs> yeah correct it's <laughs> Rather than selling, you know, a hundred and a couple hundred, you know, for the first few months and then it teetering off, they've, they've basically secured a whole year or more of um, of deliveries without trying to, to sell too many more. Yeah. But I think it's, you know, it this is a very much welcome product, um, particularly from Toyota. Like this was built by them. It, they didn't have to go and um, share development costs with anybody else like the, the 86 or the, or, or the Supra. Um, so this is completely yeah. built by Gazoo Racing. No, so... And, and it is interesting because in the past, Chris Harris from the UK, uh, Top Gear host, he pointed out how, um, you know, he, he spent a bit of time in the GR Yaris and um, he, he's fallen... He's one of the ones that has fallen in love with it. Mm. And, um, you know, he's saying, look... Every time Toyota said that, oh, we needed to invest with another car maker, you know, create a, a strategic partnership to make these vehicles because we didn't, we didn't have the investment or the, or the skills to to do that, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and and then Chris Harris has but says, but well, you came out with this at a good price, at a good thing with great performance. So all of that other stuff he said is clearly a lie because you've got the capability to do it um, which is a, I think is a fair call I think um, you know I'm looking forward to, to getting some seat time with this um, I when... a lot of people are I mean I, I know that the owners or I know people that have driven it and they reckon it's one of the best cars they've ever driven so um, you know one of the best handling and stuff like that so you know it's a lot for, for what they've created and I think um, yeah I think it'll be interesting hopefully you can get some seat time in one and, and see what it's like yeah, no, I'm uh, definitely looking forward to it. Okay, we've got a couple of 
bits of BMW news. So one just uh, isn't really official, but it's a bit of a discussion point, which I think is um, an exciting one. So it's the rumor that BMW are working on a new M3 CSL or an even a M4 CSL version, um, paying homage to obviously the... the th- the the BMW 3 CSL from um, the earlier years before BMW M became a thing, which was a very successful race car, as well as the E46 BMW M3 CSL from 2002 2003. Um, the M3 CSL from you know the E46 is still by far one of my standout cars that I've been able to drive and, and drive hard, and um, so and each each. Each version um, that been that we've come out, even with the GTS, um, you know, it, it hasn't been a full on commitment back to that CSL nameplate, and um, and I think now probably could be the right time where, um, you know, they've brought out the CS, which is the competition um, special and things like that, but the lightweight part of that CSL name. Um, is all about weight saving and, and brought in a lot of firsts for BMW, such as the the carbon fiber roof and other you know carbon fiber interiors and things like that. So a lot of um, production processes that they learned from building that car translated into the direct generation after that, and as well as every other BMW M product since then. And so I kind of hope that if they are building a CSL and um, which this seems like the right car to do it um i'm hopeful that they do bring some firsts to to it as well and um hopefully some you know some interesting new technologies that we haven't seen in a in a road going bmw before yeah and it is cool to see that they are talking about it you know because that cs and csl have always been that real hot model uh that people love and and yeah now that we've got a new m3 and m4 we'd like to think that bmw maybe are going to head down that route yeah. and create that um, so yeah who knows what we'll see you know maybe in the next sort of 6 to 12 months yeah particularly with them building an M3 Touring or you know the station wagon it could be just that little bit of a glimpse that perhaps we'll get back to that you know that mid 2000s craziness of BMW where they you know we, we got we got the V10 M5 we had um, all sorts of different you know we had the M3 CSL um, we had a number of just exciting models come out of BMW and particularly out of the M department and um, perhaps you know this is that coming back to form in a way that BMW is sick of people reminding them of how things used, you know, how good <laughs> things were. The, the boss of BMW M has come out and said they're sick of being reminded about that. They know that um, and, they, and they claim that their cars are just as good. But obviously amongst people who... who um, I think a lot of people, if you check on forums, they built great cars today, but perhaps don't share the same, you know, level of personality or, or, or same design sort of goals. Um, that people want to go back to to what BMW M used to be, and yeah. um, I think that they've taken their time. But you know, these things do take time. But they're they're reaching that little bit of a you know they're finding their groove again they're finding that that personality that bmw m vehicles have and i think even in these m2 spy shots that have have snuck out um you know uh uh another testament to that um given that you know this new m2 that they're showing off um 
you know, it's it, it's showing that even though the one and two series are moving to, to front wheel drive, the M2 will remain real wheel drive. It's got old school proportions. Um, you know, it's going to classic the M, you know, the classic M formula, such as, you know, pumping up the shape, you know, so you've got the pumped out guards, you've got um, just quad exhaust as well. And um, yeah, I think I think this is exciting. I think, you know, if, if BMW M are able to regain that little bit of control, which they... You know, and the, and the increase that control they've had, rather than just taking the production vehicle and then playing around with it, I think um, at least the M division are you know are going to to be onto good things, and it's um it's rumored with this new M two that um, just like previous versions of the M2, they'll be sharing um, a version of the same engine and transmission that comes out of the M3 and the M4 um, with perhaps a special edition sort of just straight uprooting it and and placing it into the uh, M2 uh, body. But... um, but it's also expected to to rekeep re- re- its six speed manual option as well as its uh, its automatic option as well. So for those wanting that pure experience, you should be able to get it. And um, based on these spy photos for now, it doesn't look like there's any crazy um, grill at the front, so you can rest easy. But it is pretty heavily camoed, so don't hold your breath too much. Yeah, a bit hard to base it off the the camo yeah. shots usually. At least I can tell it's definitely got radar cruise based on yes. the little sensor on the bottom <laughs> you can see that down the bottom really easily, yeah. yeah but um but no so not much really there but there's also you know i think uh there's a quite a little bit of a hope now from from at least the the hardcore bmw fans um which is which is reassuring yeah, exactly, and I think it'll be exciting for those that you know, those that two that current two series um, design and style is such a good looking thing. Oh, uh, absolutely! Um, I passed one, uh, I, I passed one a couple of times recently in my neighbourhood, um, and I really love the shape. Like it, it's just come such a long, a long way, and it, it's just such a good looking thing. Um, so yeah, having it having an N two would be uh, would be pretty exciting for the BMW fans out there. Mm. Uh, one thing that I think will be exciting for for some dual cab Ute fans, um, how's that for a segue? Um, the Ford Ranger Wild Track X um, is coming back. So they had a bit of a success runaway with the Wild Track X X in the 2020 model, and um, they're going to be bringing it back again for for next year. And um, yeah, I think this looks to be pretty exciting. So pricing is going to be starting at 66,490 um, and 67,990 uh, for the Wild Track and the Wild Track X. Um, but yeah, so this seems pretty pretty exciting. It's always been a good looking car, and you know it's good to you yeah, know have a, them it's had support. It's a bit of a grill change by the looks of it as well, which is. Um... Yeah, quite nice. I actually like that grill on the uh, on the orange one in the photos. Yeah, um, it actually looks quite quite good. That I feel a, a very much a, an American vibe based on yeah. those photos. They don't it's look a like they're F one hundred, F one fifty kind of yeah. style. Uh, looking on it, and I think the roll cage had a bit of a slight change on it as well. Yeah, I think um, I, all of these it, it very much you know fits in with say the say you know the same of watch the the gladiator is trying to achieve, and that's perhaps not going to to the nth degree of being an off roading machine, but but giving at least a starting point for a lot of people to to go like, look, here's a machine that's going to do what you want to do 
90% of the time. And for that, you know, for those who want to go that extra 10%, this is also a great base to build off. You, you know, you've already got the core set of accessories you need and that you typically go out and buy. And so, and you get a, a factory warranty with that as well, which I think is a huge thing for a lot of people. Yeah, they know that that market, I mean, we've, we've talked about it before with like the Tornado and their Hilux and stuff like that, you know, by offering this sort of added um, modifications at a, at a dealer level, um, you know, it gives another model range to add into it, which adds more ability for, for you know, guys to buy this sort of stuff in-house and not have to go outside and, and you know, spend money on it afterwards. It's already yeah. fitted out with everything that you need. Um, from the dealer, so that's, uh, absolutely, yeah. No, so that's uh, it's exciting. Uh, I expect that to not be too far away from from dealers. So make sure you jump in and um, register your interest if you want to be one of the first. I think uh, any dealer will will welcome that sort of proposition, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so this one I think you're going to be a bit excited about, Joel, um, is that we're, we're seeing more testing um, of the 2022 Genesis G70 shooting brake wagon. This looks so good. Yeah. I mean, and, and it, all it is is spy photos. Just I know. Look, you're looking With that. terrible camo, like bulky, yeah, baggy. Yeah, but that's what but, they do. It's all part yeah. of, you know, they're hiding stuff and it's the areas where you look at where the camo is most obvious is the areas that they're most trying to hide. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I hope that this is, you know, if hopefully it does go into right-hand production and we do see it come down under, but... Excuse me. Uh, this, you know, it, it's a good-looking thing. It's a really long-looking car, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to see, um, you know, that that they that these are out doing doing laps um, and, and on the Nuremberg Ring of all things um, as well. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting looking at the the some of the comparisons that people compared to it. Um, but yeah, Hyundai. Hyundai slash Genesis, their um, model range just keeps, keeps getting more and more exciting. Yeah, really. Well, yeah. There's a, there was a comment on this article that reading off um, Car Advice, and they go, "Gee, Genesis are on a roll with some great models soon to be released. Um, you just don't see many on the roads, which I agree." Um, but the thing is, is uh, uh, that they launched their models a. You know, which typically happens, they announce their models and then it takes a little bit of time for us to come down under. And um, coronavirus certainly um, impacted that a lot. Like the the GV80 and the G80 were meant to be on sale in in October or even sooner than that. And it's only until now that I've um, actually, you know, in a couple of weeks or a few weeks' time, I'll be in driving the the GV80. And um, so it sort of felt like it's been an eternity since it's been announced and since, you know, it's they've had one on display down south, down in Sydney, um, but now we've finally got them in the in the press fleet, ready to ready to go for for us to drive, and um, and I think uh, unfortunately COVID has really slowed things down for the Genesis brand, but because um, they still they're still saying that they do have the the plans for the showroom or the studio um, outside of just only Sydney, so up here in Brisbane and, and down your way, Joel and Melbourne. Yeah, I um, think I mean I don't think they've been working off this idea for so long. But you know, you, they were working on. They'll bring the car to you for for demos and things like yeah. that. But I really think having some kind of kind of sort of presence, be it a showroom or whatever, I think is really important. I think it, it kind yeah. of needs to have it. So it's good to hear that they are heading down that route. 
um, and they want to do more with it. So, yeah, I think it's exciting that in those yeah. three big areas, they are talking about open Because every time I've driven a, a Genesis, I've had people stop me, talk to me, want to know more about it because it, it looks so good. And that was in the previous G70 and G80 models. Um, Wait so, till you get into the SUV. I mean, that's yeah. going to be another thing again. I so I, I've, I've seen it um, when I was doing a car swap over a couple of weeks ago. I had It had the vehicles there. Our Brisbane vehicles had literally just arrived about 10, 15 minutes before I turned up. And um, I was able to... I didn't have a, a close look, but I saw them from across the room. And, man, they have some incredible presence um and so yeah I, i'm kind of I'm, I'm i'm looking forward to it driving them of course and seeing you know how does that that philosophy and what they presented translate to, to driving on the road but also i'm really keen to see what other people think as well um because yeah the reactions have been positive so far and i feel like you know these vehicles need to be out on the road because more people see them they'll want to know about them and they know want to know where to find them yeah exactly but no, I'm I'm super excited, and I, I do hope the shooting break makes it down under. Uh, we kind of, you know, these days, coupes and and wagons are really kind of a, a, a rare breed. But you know, I do hope that some people who love the wagons and are in you know that price point um, will you know <laughs> will want to pick one up and we'll take and that option over a sedan or or even the SUV. Yeah, yeah. Okay, bring a trailer time. I know that people love this bit and uh, seeing what we find and, and what things sell for. So what? how did we go last week? What what did things uh, end so up with? So not, not everything sold from last week, okay. which is interesting. Yep. I've only actually got one result, which was the yeah. Celine that we talked about, which was the S7 mm. LM, which is the Le Mans uh, edition. Um, and yeah. it sold for $1.2 million in US Gee. money, that is. So it's big money, but it was un- only 158 mile. Car, yeah. so it was pretty low, low kilometer car. So yeah, um, but yeah, everything else uh, looking at is all still um, listed at the moment. Um, so we'll keep updating as they uh, as they come through. I think there was only one or two more that I talked about last week. Um, but what did you pick this week, Ash? Uh, I just lost my link. Um, I'm just trying to find it again. Yeah, here we go. Okay, so it ends in two days. Its current bid is $52,000, and it's a vehicle from 1935. Now, if I was to say, with those details, what would what would be a rough guess of what you'd think it is, Joel? What year was it? 19... 1935. It's got to be probably either a, a Rolls or a Bentley. Yeah, uh, you, you're pretty much on the money with that one. It's a it's a Rolls, and it's a Phantom Two Tourer. Oh, nice! Um, it it looks straight out of Great Get you know the Great Gatsby. Um, yeah. So it's got the 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 silver bonnet, um, but with the yellow body. Mm-hmm. And um, it's got the luggage straps on the like it's got the luggage strapped onto the back. It's got the yeah, nice. you know the folding roof. It, it looks so cool. It's got eighty one thousand miles. It's a seven point seven liter inline six with a four speed manual. Mm-hmm. Um, which when you think about it, nineteen thirty five, like that is pretty, you know, pretty modern for for that kind of era. Yeah. Um, you know, it's got elliptical leaf spring suspension. Um, yeah, but this just looks cool. And I remember um, looking at a couple of these that were for sale in Australia. Not This is probably about 
uh, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago now. Uh, and one of these very similar was for sale on car sales for about $26,000. Wow. Um, and when looking at, you know, looking at prices now, you go, gee, either they didn't know what they had or classic, you know, like old school Rolls Royce vehicles just bottomed out and yeah. and now they're sort of picking up again. <laughs> um, but this car looks like it's, it's had a bit of a racing history. So it's done okay. um, a couple of, uh, um, it's been entered a couple of times into the great American race. Um, so across a number of different years, including 1983. Um and yeah, so it's done a couple of rallies. It's obviously got a, a, a huge history, um, being a car from 1935. But it looks incredibly original. Um, nice two-tone paint on it, so yeah, the, excellent condition. Front. It just looks really tidy, and it's got yeah, it's it's got two days go, and um, yeah, it, uh, I think this is cool. Yeah, it's very cool. How did you go? What, yeah, you so I had a couple of honourable mentions. There's a really yeah. nice 65 Buick Riviera, um, which is okay. two days left, and it's about 30 grand in that nice set of metallic green. It reminds me yeah. of the colour of my first car. Uh, there's also a 2006 Porsche Cayenne Turbo S, which has been done up as a um, uh, kind of a Martini-inspired graphics um, to make it look like nice. a, an off-road truck. Um, that's the second one of those that's appeared mm. in the last few weeks. Um, yeah. And then there was also a uh, 71 Porsche 911 E Speedster, uh, which began life as a Targa model and was modified into a Speedster. Um, yeah, it's it, it's interesting. It's kind of, um, it's currently at $10,000. It's got six days left. It looks a bit weird. It's a bit out proportionally. I'm, I'm not quite sure yeah. about it, but um, yeah, it kind of got... Uh, caught my eye as I was scrolling through but my pick this week is a 2006 Dodge Ram SRT 10 Night Runner 6 speed yeah it's uh, a nice looking thing it's all black um Personally, I'd prefer something a little bit brighter because you, know, yeah. you generally do the do nice cars. So yeah. um, it's the same 8.3 litre V10 that was in the Viper, um, and it's a six-speed uh, manual. I think from looking at the images. Now that I've said that, I'm pretty sure it is. But it's at twenty-one and a half thousand. It's got four days left, um, and yeah, so it'll be interesting to to see how it goes. But it's um, one of four hundred, so. There's not a lot of them um, built, um, but yeah, it's uh, putting out about 439 horsepower and 471 foot-pounds of torque. So yeah, pretty pretty impressive for it. So, but um, I, um, the seller is, uh, yeah, seller actually says it's got a little bit of corrosion and stuff in it as well, which is yeah a little bit interesting. But yeah, it's uh, it's something a little bit different. You don't see a lot of them and. Things like that. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Cool. I just stumbled across um, uh, when when trying to find your your speedster, um, the KN Turbo S. Did you see that one? The the Martini. Yeah, that's the one I talked about. Ah, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I saw. For some reason, I heard Golf livery, and there is a Golf livery. 914 yeah I did see that as well that was cool there is some cool stuff in there so I don't know what I was thinking but I'm like oh wow that is that is cool I see what you mean now um pretty brave to 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 do what they did yeah to that but yeah if only the interior matched 
it's you know it's got this huge Dakar style rally look on the outside and uh, just the normal grey interior on the inside <laughs> kind of need to follow the theme I think really I know strip it out the theme. To, you know yeah. commit to the rally car yeah. lifestyle if, you, if you're going to do it but if you like us and you're a fan of Bring a Trailer, they're actually doing a charity calendar at the moment for next year. So they've picked the best photos they've, they've found from sort of the last uh, 12 months and uh, they're doing a charity calendar to donate um, 100% of the sales to the Ethan M. Lindenberg Foundation um, designed to assist children and families facing um, mm. disease. So, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty cool. If you like the... You know, you like your classic cars and stuff. It's a it's a cool calendar to buy to to throw in as uh, yeah to, to, to purchase to support charity. For sure, uh, that's great. Okay, some international news. Um, what's going on? What's this? What's this envisioning of a twenty twenty one DeLorean DMC twelve? This came across my uh, my feed during the week, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, yeah. Obviously, you know the DeLorean is a is a car that you know is renowned with with history, particularly obviously more around Back to the Future or yeah. anything else. But um, someone has gone out. This I'm going to butcher this name. Gucci Giario Design Sports Car um, is a tribute to the DeLoreanism, and has kind of envisioned it as a you know this current generation if you design a DeLorean today yeah same way this is what you create and it's a pretty cool looking thing you look at it you can kind of see a little bit of DeLorean here and there yeah. but it's very much more um designed. seems a bit BMW i8 to me yeah with a body um, kit they also said it in he um he's worked for a, a designer has worked for people like Rimac as well. So you can kind of see yeah. a little bit of that sort of design part of it. But yeah, it's pretty cool. It reminds me a little bit of the Jag from the from the last Bond film as well. Yeah, um, you're right. Some, yeah. some of the design. But of course, because it's a DeLorean tribute, it has to have gold indoors. So yes. that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, it's got just... I think it's more the paint with the black and um, yeah, black highlights and or accents and stuff on it that yeah. it does really feel like a, a modern day DeLorean so um, it's a pretty cool um, concept and the, the really mm. nice LED taillight all running all the way around the rear is, uh, is a really nice touch as well. I wonder if um, due to the, the pursuit of um, weight saving these days if the stainless steel exterior would stick around <laughs> <laughs> Who knows Um Okay, I think. Uh, I wonder if anybody would be brave enough to build one of those. I'd like to think Who someone, knows. someone had rebody it, rebody yeah. something even. Yeah, exactly. Um, just like uh, the C8 Corvette um, Rocket Bunny Special Edition, um, quite an out there design. What do you think? Yeah, it's a bit different. Rocket Bunny is one of those. Um, I wouldn't say tuning company, but body kit current manufacturers that build these wild body kits that they do to um, different cars around the world. Now, predominantly, I've seen them on GDRs and other stuff, but this is the first C8 Corvette to, um, to go yeah. under this design. Um, it's one of those things that you would see at SEMA, but SEMA's not happening this year, so yeah. um, we're seeing a few of these virtual things kind of popping up here and there. Um, so, yeah, it's quite, um, it's quite interesting 
to as somebody to who can't get to SEMA, I'm much a fan of these virtual reveals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we saw um, a couple of the Bronco concepts that Ford have released, which you know would traditionally be a, a show car they'd run at SEMA. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to see that. Um, Someone has gone down that route and decided to create that thing. So yeah, it's it's interesting to me. It looks a little bit like a, a Honda NSX, the yeah, new version got, to got me. It's an interesting sort of layout. Um, yeah, with and the, that could just the, be the black, like we spoke about before. You know, choosing all black for your show car just hides a lot of lines and yeah, hides a lot really of details. See the, the extent of what the body kit's designed to do as well. Yeah, yeah, no. So it's a bit of a shame we can't see a bit of, but in the video it looks pretty pretty nice it's uh, it sounds great too uh, okay now this one is a bit of an interesting one i've linked to the to the youtube video for this one um but this is the porsche Taycan, which is set um the the record for the longest drift done by an electric vehicle um and porsche did this at the hockenheim ring um and they did uh 210 laps um over what was it 55 minutes um equating to about 42.171 kilometers covered in one drift um doesn't quite get close to what BMW achieved in the M5 um, as the world's longest drift, which lasted over eight hours. Um, but that did require a mid-drift fuel stop, which I think was just... You have to check the video of that. That's that's quite insane. But obviously, being an electric vehicle, refueling isn't as easy. Um, and so I guess if they want to do that, they'll have to come up with another solution um, for it. But it's still a hell of a feat. A lot of people can't even drift it around one corner, let alone... Yeah. To, um, hold, to hold it together together for 200 laps that's right yeah i'm sure you get pretty dizzy too yeah exactly. something would be uh yeah but um hard but no, work certainly and impressive just, achievement. You know, being nauseous as well from just being yeah. that constant g-forces as you yeah. run around the corner he was only doing average speed of 46 kilometers an hour um but, but the yeah, amount of skill to to hold it that whole yeah. time and then you know if you're you stuff it up. You got to start again if you want to. Keep yeah, exactly. Going to the record. Yeah, and Guinness Book were there to, to obviously validate it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's an impressive feat. Nice work by Porsche. It's nice to see. I mean, they've kind of been doing that kind of different things from when they started that project with the nine one nine. Yeah. And you got to give them hats off to for what they've gone out and created. This doing this different kind of thing, but showing showcasing their technology. It's not just absolutely. Because, you know, they want. They want to do it for, 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 uh, you know, for the, for the glory. It's to showcase what is possible with their vehicle, you know, and and that's what they like doing. Kind of, you know, like I said, they've done with the nine the nine one nine. So yeah, it's uh, it's very, very cool, and uh, it's a nice record to hold. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, um. Okay, so we're, we're a bit of a, a weird um, sort of thing with all these different special vehicles, and the Porsche Taycan is really a and sort of a, a standout in this what we're talking about. Um, but Maserati have come out um, with some interesting vehicle sort of concept so one is a resto mod of a vehicle and the other one is a basically a snow ready MC20. Um, 
I'm loving the look of this MC20. Um, yeah, and the renders cool with the, the shine. Snow, snow commission and with the skin yeah. stuck on the back and that sort of stuff. But I'm a big fan of the this um, the Shamal. Um, resto mod it's really really cool um, I'm, I've, I've loved the Shamal and I've seen there's a few of them here in Victoria and I'm a, I'm a big big fan of them um, so yeah the fact that they've gone and created a, a, a resto mod um, is just really really cool I mean it's mm. a concept so it's, it's you know it's a design it's not an actual car but the fact that someone's gone out and thought that they can you know kind of create that kind of thing is pretty cool yeah but yeah, again, it's another one of those you know companies that are thinking outside the box and yeah. trying to be a little bit different with what they're doing. Yeah, um, which yeah. is which is kind of funny. Like you know, with what they they're calling it Project Recall with a K, and um, you know, taking taking and doing a rest mod on this vehicle, it's kind of funny because it does have a lot of things like a digital dash and obviously you know very much 80s style. Um, but I think. Um, taking off those cars out of the 80s and, and applying a modern twist to them actually is is more than perfect because if you look at a lot of cars and what they tried to achieve in the 80s and where we're at now, they're very, very similar. It's just that we've got slightly better, you know, we've got better screens, we've got better electronics. Um, and so I think resto mods of vehicles from the 80s are going to be one of those things that are probably a lot more achievable and, and, and finally perhaps achieve the vision of which the designers were intending from those vehicles originally. Yeah. Um, so I think this is a great sort of first step to go like, oh, yeah, this is, this is a great thing to be thinking about because, you know, those vehicles are probably better than any any others to to be doing this to yeah exactly and and the resto mod thing has always been cool to see and you know taking a car that has been pretty cool in the past and yeah and turn it into something that um you know is yeah kind of had a modern twist on it and i think that's the cool thing about the shamal the shamal is one of those things that it's it's a polarizing design not everyone has loved it but you know they're, they're they're cool they're cool to see and the fact that they've taken it and given it a modern spin is um is pretty awesome yeah absolutely well um hopefully they you know they come out with a with a good version of it yeah um, exactly. or even a, a road going show car that would that would be nice yeah Okay, so this was one that you found. You stumbled across this for, <laughs> for a bit of fun. Um, so Lego have been launching out um, uh, model, you know, sort of Lego car kits for, you know, they've been a bit of a role recently. Um, but their latest one, it's kind of funny because we were just talking about the Ferrari 4088, uh, for, sorry, 488 um, in their version, but they've just come out with their own uh, Lego Technique. Ferrari 488 GTE. Yeah, so it's another one. We talked about the McLaren last week, which is coming yeah. out on the coming out on the first of January, and now there's a Ferrari version which is coming out again on the first of January. So both are coming out post Christmas. Yeah. Where normally you would say that this is the Christmas present, but this one is actually based on the AF Course um, GT3 car or GT sorry GTE car, which is the one that runs traditionally at Le Mans. So AF Course is generally the one of the teams that, that run the Ferrari flag at, at mm. Le Mans and, and the and the GT series in the in the um, FIA WEC series um, in, uh, that runs through Europe and, and um, also through part of the US as well. But so yeah, we're going to have our own model as well. So it's a sixteen hundred piece puzzle. Um, and yeah, it's going to be based on the obviously Lego Technic design, um, and it's coming out in, in 
January. So I'm excited for this. Mm. Um, it's going to cost me a fortune with all this new Lego coming. Um, it'll be 13 centimeters high, 48 centimeters long, and 21 centimeters wide. And the door and the bonnet open. Um, so yeah, it's also going to have a special instruction book, exclusive content, including details about the car and the AF Course 51 tone. So that's nice. pretty, pretty cool to, to see. So yeah, I'm excited uh, by that. It looks like there's going to be a lot of work fitting the stickers, everything to it. Yeah, so <laughs> uh, right. it's going to be a pretty pretty full. You'll on appreciate build. how those um, those guys applying the decals to the actual race cars will yeah, feel. Uh, you'll have it off easy if you turn around and build this. So. That's it. Oh man, so that's going to be two ninety nine. Apparently, is the RRP off yeah, that? Yeah, they're saying um, for that. So, which is yeah, but but keep but, an yeah. eye. Out the, you might be a, might be able to cop it on sale, um, depending on how long it takes for you to recover from your Christmas budget crisis, which most people tend to to, to find <laughs> themselves into. So um, yeah, no, that looks looks great. Uh, what do you have coming up this week? Any or you've got a bit of hush hush stuff that we can't talk about until. Next uh, well, that, yeah, that 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 stuff should come out. It was all from stuff we we worked on. Uh, oh, yeah, yep. worked, Well, worked on worked on one job myself, but the other was helping another photographer. Yeah, sure. uh, Last week, so, um, but this week I'm uh, doing some more drone work, um, and then uh, I've got another cool car thing the the week after. Um, so yeah, I'm just trying to you know keep busy with stuff that's happening and uh i still need to get down and write write some uh reviews from the stuff that uh, i reviewed earlier in between between lockdowns um so yeah what do you, you take the gladio boat back tomorrow um, yeah what do you uh, replace it with uh, so i jump into the, the suzuki ignis um mm. so it's which model a, pardon sorry which spec ignis uh that is a good question um i like that car yeah, I think it's got a real design, retro a, feel to it as well yeah, with some of the design the elements. Today. Yeah, no, uh, I don't actually have it in front of me. I don't have the spec level. Oh, so um, it should be a pick when you pick it up, but that should yeah. be fun. Yeah, no, I'm looking looking forward to it. It's um, one of the cars that I... Uh, it, it is almost um, deceptive how big inside mm. it is when you look at it from the outside. It, it yeah, looks small. Memory, it looks... It's got decent boot space as well. Yeah, it was one of those, when I first saw it, I had just come back from the States and, and um, you know, had sort of gone through the whole um, fun part, which is Ubers and taxis and trying to fit luggage and all that kind of thing. And um, when, when looking at the Ignis and looking at how deep the boot was and, and sort of how it works, I go, oh, this is actually something that could work quite well as a car that drives for Uber. You have plenty of passenger space and with the vertical space in the boot, you could actually fit a suitcase and um, in an overnight bag with no problem and um yeah it just makes me go this is a great little city car um and i'm looking forward to driving the update there's been a few minor changes but it still has your, your core things such as um uh apple carplay and in that in that so i'm looking forward to, to driving that and obviously you know we'll have our little um RAAF uh, foster puppy with us as well so we'll be able to you know each week is now a, a, a test of you know how well does it handle all of those duties as well um, so yeah it should be should be good fun yeah cool 
Oh, well, it's, um, I think uh, that's pretty much everything I think we've, we've covered this week. It was a bit more of a quieter week in terms of news. I think um, as we head into the, the Christmas break, um, we'll Things see... Will, yeah, certainly get a little bit quieter, I think. Absolutely. We'll probably see a few more bits and pieces in terms of news in the motorsport world as that season um, starts to, season to warm starts up. starts to ramp up. We've got yeah. um, one of the last Grand Prix of the year. I think we've got... Uh, this is the third last for the year. Um, he's tonight or if not early tomorrow yeah so we've got um bahrain the inner or the traditional circuit that we usually have at bahrain and then next week we'll have another um go in bahrain but this time will be the outer track which is set to be a really interesting one because we haven't raced on that before and um current simulations are showing that this should be the fastest lap um you know or the shortest timed lap in formula one history they're expecting about a 55 second lap time and um racing so it should be hopefully it creates something interesting um I'll, i will be finding I'll, probably will take a you know be making a couple of um joke bets with some friends seeing how many will turn at the wrong spot um <laughs> you know they should be continuing straight where they compared to turning right where they would this week um but yeah, so and then we finish our round in, in Abu Dhabi, and um, it's really these these races now are purely for entertainment and, and for the rest of the teams to work out there and drivers to work out their order. Given that um, you know Mercedes have really wrapped up the the they've already wrapped up the the, the constructor and driver world championship, and um, yeah, we're just waiting to see also some of the last driver movements. We haven't we haven't locked in everything. Not all mm. teams know who the driver lineup Who's is going to be. Go where? Yeah. And and they're going to need to, to make that decision soon because before we know it, we'll be back in testing. And um, Pirelli obviously seem to have a bit more more work to do. They The teams this weekend during a practice session um, spent a lot of time... Um, they had to spend a minimum amount of time testing the tyres for, for next year. And uh, interestingly, Mercedes, because of stop development of everything, they essentially ran almost the entire session or as much of that session as they could using the 2021 tyres to get as much data as they possibly could um, as they're already working on that car and obviously the 2022 car. Um, so before we have even even finished this season it seems like mercedes are already ahead on next season so um we'll just have to see what some of the other teams bring um when it comes to testing next year yeah it's gonna be interesting to see the development and you know where the changes are over the next 12 months and where people have succeeded in in finding some extra speed and, and things like that so yeah testing i think will be interesting but i think once we get to to Melbourne next year, I think that'll be the real show to see what, um, you know, where where everyone has kind of ended up with their performance changes. Absolutely. And um, I think on, on that note, we should should wrap it up here. If you have any questions, if uh, if you're looking to buy a car, if you're you know, wanting us to review something, send us an email, shows at dailyautofix.com. Um, you can follow Joel at Joel Photo or follow us at, at Daily Autofix. Uh, don't forget to, to rate us on Apple Podcasts if that's your podcasting app of choice. I would really appreciate it. And also to know that um, you like what we're doing. Um, but until then, thanks, Joel. Thanks, Ash. All right, and we'll uh, see you all next time.